Hello, ladies and gents out there. It's Scradcast time. It's our last Scradcast of 2016. Sad face. We're going to have a rerun next week for you guys. But this is Gradcast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. We document the awesome stuff that our brave and hardworking graduate students do here every day. I'm your host, Tristan Johnson. I am joined today by my co-host, Iman Chen. Hey, how you doing? And we have a great guest today. And also, actually, this is sort of a FIMS takeover gradcast because there's three of us here with Sabrina Hope behind the uh, soundboard. Hello. And our special guests, Leila Lemgalef. Thank you. Welcome to Gradcast. Thank you. So you have quite a good storied history. Uh, I, the short version, you've worked on a documentary. You did your master's at the London School of Economics. Then you came to this London <laughs> to do FIMS. So what brings you to Western? That's a great question. Um, I was never really counting on doing a PhD. I thought, actually, I was never really planning to do a master's. So when I went into um, university, I had this idea of being a journalist and it was and even that was kind of an unexpected turn of events because I had I was initially signed up I had like applied into actuarial mathematics and I was accepted into a business school and then just in the nick of time I made it into journalism school um, and was so happy and school didn't it didn't feel like school because it was so much fun and I had the opportunity to do a semester at the Danish School of Journalism um, which pretty much rocked my world. It was so much fun. It was a paid vacation to learn <laughs> really wow. cool things about international journalism. Um, and um, so by the time I was done, I had my heart set on being a journalist, like full force. And I set out to do that. And I, Due to being at the Danish School of Journalism, where we had an opportunity to go to Brussels to report from the European Parliament and European Commission, I became very interested in Reuters news agency because I met a Reuters reporter there. And we also had access to the paid newswire at the Danish School of Journalism. And I was just riveted by like what, you know, just what was going on and like the fact that I, I felt like it was a really exclusive form of journalism. So all of a sudden, I decided to <laughs> uh, work for the, the news agency. Um, and then I started applying, and I, I didn't exactly uh, get anywhere with those applications. And eventually decided to pursue a master's at the London School of Economics. And without thinking that I would... But probably I should have known this would happen. I ended up doing a dissertation on Reuters news agency. Okay. So for the benefit of uh, those of us who have heard of Reuters, sort of, but don't <laughs> actually know what it is as a company, could you very quickly just tell us what does Reuters do and what is its relationship to like news? Sure. Okay. So my first encounter with Reuters was in Montreal's... Um, local newspaper, because I'm from Montreal. That's where I went to university, Concordia. And we at home used to get the Gazette, the Montreal newspaper. And I I pretty much didn't like it for the most part, you know, the front <laughs> part. <laughs> and then they, yeah. and I always used to skip to the international news, but it was 
uh, because of um, the limited nature of the newspaper, it wasn't such a big newspaper, they, they pulled a lot of articles from Reuters, so it's a newswire. That's how I became familiar with it, pretty young, as it, like, you know, in my early teens. And, um, yeah. So, wait, Tristan, did you want to say something? Uh, I just want to ask, uh, so for those out there, like, what is a newswire? Because it's a thing that, another word that we've heard a lot, but um, maybe don't know exactly what it means. Okay. Um, I'll try to answer. Perhaps I don't have, like, the full um, expertise on on what it is, but I think I, I know, for the most part, um, a wire is, like, a live news feed where... It's a paid, I mean, the most professional version of the Newswire is a, is a paid subscription. Um, it's kind of like intelligence in a way. Um, it could be news intelligence or actually something that I'm going to look at in, in my PhD is financial intelligence. But those are paid services. Um, more generally, so what would, what would typically have happened um, not too long ago, I don't know if it's changing now, but... Um, jur- journalistic companies uh, or, you know, newspapers and um, television stations, radio stations would pay these newswires to access uh, up-to-date feeds and then take it from there because it's it's like on-the-ground coverage. It's kind of like the eyes and ears all over the world. Um, that's, I think, a good sort of basic definition. It's like very high-class Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sort of like the front-line reporting that yeah. gets sort and of... And like without leaving anything out. I mean, it's that's why like Reuters... I worked as a stringer, and that's why a company like Reuters, Reuters News Agency, would um, need people all over because just mm-hmm. cannot afford to like not report on something that's just happened that wouldn't be that would be like unheard of or worse you don't want to have something happen and not have someone there to look at it yeah like a tree in the woods (laughs) i guess if something happens there's always someone there to look at it and you know (laughs) as one of my students wrote in his essay we as humans what sorry that expression made me laugh and i'm like well yeah if something happens with we as humans then someone will be able to Report it somehow. Well, I mean, that, that's important because Tristan was saying earlier that he suspects that he might be a robot. <laughs> yeah. He's been watching Westworld, I, I think. But. No, but, Is that um, what you meant, Tristan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Does not compute. Um, no, so you mentioned just a second ago that uh, you worked as a stringer. Is that like the sort of person who produces these uh, sort of frontline um, oh, reports? Okay, so you want, okay. Yeah, or do Tristan. you just like drink from the fire hose of the information? <laughs> so I was really happy at the latest Superman movie, you know, the one that came out in 2013. At the end, I was just so happy. Clark Kent <laughs> is announced, uh, I guess, to Lois Lane, or he's introduced as the newest stringer and i was like wow i'm a stringer too but a stringer is kind of an on-call journalist typically a stringer would work for multiple um publications but that was not my case for me it was um sort of at the request of the news agency just to be more or less exclusive so it's kind of like an it's it's like a reverse freelancer like i was at their beck and call but, you know, at my decision, because it was great. And I was really happy to do so. So, like, if an event was going down at 4.30 a.m., yeah, you'd be ring- they'd bring you up and you have to be in there? Yeah, and that's what was so amazing. Because had I 
gotten into the newsroom in Toronto or Ottawa or Vancouver because I wanted a job, like a full study job. But I would have probably like I was telling you, Sabrina, been doing like real estate stories <laughs> or something, you know. But because I was in Montreal, because they closed their news office, I think uh, a good decade before I started, that meant it meant that if something really important was going on. I was the person and it was just such a like, great opportunity because I, I didn't get stuck with the leftover stuff. So, you know, uh, some giant pillar of light or a supervillain were destroying the city. <laughs> you would get the call, put on your cape and fly out there to report on it. Yeah, I pretty much mobilized like a little soldier every time. Wow, that's amazing. I really did. Yeah. And so to kind of build on the uh, the research you're doing now or yeah. the research at least you sent along your master's dissertation your master's thesis and it was about uh diversifying of the media diet or the news diet and how that is in part responsible for Reuters merging with Thomas is it? Th- so Thompson. Thompson? Yeah. And um kind of speaks a little bit to the overall trend and that is uh, you even mentioned that the Gazette had closed its news room. Yeah, no, uh, Reuters, uh, but the Gazette now, no, sorry, because the Gazette is Montreal's newspaper, but okay. Reuters had closed its Montreal newsroom. Yeah, so uh, there's trouble afoot in the realm of the wires and the newspapers and everything. Yeah. Um, one of the, one, one aspect of the discussion that's really interesting is this, what someone I interviewed for my dissertation um, who taught me at the Danish School of Journalism who was working as a, he's a Danish uh, reporter and he was working in South Africa and um, he dubbed it the, uh, what was it? I think it was something like the pluralism paradox. So what it was is that there's this illusion that we have more because we have so much more coming from everywhere and we can access it in different formats and we can get it quickly. But in fact, it's the paradox is that it's coming from fewer and fewer sources and it's more and more uniform and less diverse. And, um, and, uh, and on top, um, so it's coming, not only are the stories fewer in number, but they're also coming from sources that are actually concentrated and owned by the same owners. Mm -hmm. So like there's been a sharp decline in things like reporters who work for like the local paper. And now like there's a lot of like small newspapers and like rural towns and stuff that really just kind of report stuff that writers give them. I think, yeah. So I'm not sure where it's at right now. I think that's completely fair, a fair assessment. And I think what's really interesting about that is that it raises this whole other issue of what's called, um, well, I guess what touches on parachute journalism. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's when like a corporation might just like parachute a journalist into another place to cover something, but the the journalist has no idea what's going on. Um, But what's happening now is that journalists, especially, I think this goes on, especially in Africa, um, journalists will resort to local journalists. So like, let's say a reporter for a Canadian newspaper will call up some local sources in, I don't know, North Africa, let's say, and then try to like build off of their journalism, not necessarily even giving them credit. um, But that's a common practice. So 
there's a lot of cases just where these um these companies can't afford the infrastructure to just keep people in random places all over the world anymore. And there's issues because journalists are really uh, the measure of a good journalist is the size of their Rolodex. I think it's like an old yeah. thing about them. Yeah. I mean, who has a Rolodex anymore? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it's about contacts. It's about building relationships and like getting the tips and the news from um, the contacts you have. And if you just send people into situations, usually you'd be like reactive after something important's already happened. And also they don't know the context. They don't, they are just hoping that they can rely on yeah. whoever they can get. Yeah, there, that's really something interesting about the field is that we turn to journalists like they are experts, but sometimes they are really haggard, kind of like run-down, um, depleted individuals who are just burning the candle at both ends. And, um, I mean, that is what's going on. <laughs> Well, so from your experience, Layla, like, um, what what would you consider sort of the role of the journalist? Like, what do you see uh, as sort of the importance of someone who fulfills this news job yeah. thing? Well, I guess it goes back to the question of the imp- what is the importance of the news? Um, there are and there have been different forms of journalism, so... I've met the rare journalist who um, likes to do, you know, lengthier, slower journalism and write features, take their time, um, not work on the deadline, let's say. Um, Not totally what I had in mind when I was thinking about going into journalism, but the, it, it, Yemen, like it really depends on whether we value news and what like I don't I I question this now it's like what is really what are we meant to do with the facts that we get on certain events and I think it's just such a good question because I mean it's it's tied to politics and it's tied to like economics and um, well so it sounds like you know from part of your answer you're saying there's different kinds of journalists people who write like you said the long form sort of in-depth reporting stories and uh, others who do sort of um, kind of live reporting, like day by day events and stuff. Right. Um, do you see like wh- what is your opinion on the, like the balance of those sorts of things, and has that changed? Where are we now? I guess is my question. Like, what is the state of journalism in terms of people who are producing journalism and news, and like the uh, environments and situations they're producing news in? So. I'm I'm going to I guess I'll work my way through your answer. And uh, sorry, yeah. Think about it at the same time. No, that's okay. It's a great question. So one approach to that question could be um let's see. Dealing okay, I think there are so many ways to answer your question. One one big trend that's going on today would be like, uh, in my opinion, activism journalism. Mm-hmm. But then again, that ties into citizen journalism. So I, okay, personally, I never really wanted, I never saw journalism and activism as going hand in hand because it, to me, they just, they clash on so many levels that just also for my, my training at Concordia, like it, it didn't make sense. However, over time I realized that that was just 
one approach and that a lot of um, a lot of because, you know, a lot of journalism has t- like historically been more, I suppose, left leaning and tied mm-hmm. to changing things and exposing and, you know, right. calling tr- calling out on the truth and stuff. Them old muckwreckers. Yeah. <laughs> so so that that that's one aspect and then you have like a lot of citizen journalism that's going on and then you have the movements that are being born out of that um i don't think there's i mean like in terms of some of the more traditional forms of um narrative like we might have seen in entertainment or like film reviews book reviews that form of literary journalism probably i think it still exists Mm -hmm. right online um and then in magazines but for the news, I um, think it's just dwindling to fewer, well, the trends, you know, like the facts speak for themselves and so many people have researched it. Even our, I, at Meredith Levine from FEMS, the talk that I assisted that she gave at the public uh, library at the end of September, she addressed a few of the a few of the um, concerns taking place in the Canadian media. So mm-hmm. she called it breakups, um, hookups and breakups. It was really catchy. So <laughs> whenever a company hooks, hooks up and there's a merger, then there's a like a breakup. In other words, a lot of immediately the trends show that as soon as two companies merge, um, shortly thereafter, a, a, a lot of journalists are, late, are laid off or let go of. Um, so... That's that that that's one thing is that a lot of there there are fewer newsrooms, fewer journalists, more journalists in touch with each other. There's like this weird blurring of collaboration versus cooperation, and then plus you have concentration of ownership. I think it's interesting because um, it sounds like the larger trend you were talking about the rise of like um, of activist journalists, yeah, but also the fact that like people are getting laid off in large numbers, and it seems like then. It, makes me think that the journalists who are working the most are the ones that are motivated by things that aren't money. Yeah, that's a great point. That's such a great point, Tristan. Um, I think that I think that's fair to say about journalists. Like, you know, I, when I was going into journalism, I got all the warnings from all the family friends. Like, you're going to be washing dishes and, you know, you won't make ends meet. And it was never a glamorous prospect. Not uh, like... I don't even know if it was that prestigious a prospect. It's not a glamorous job. Um, and I don't think that th- the type of hardworking journalist is expecting to, to rake in a lot of money. But then again, that's where corporate, that's where more like the media industry question comes into play. That That's sort of my rubric at, at FEMS for the PhD is media industries and hoping to take up something in that direction yeah because at the same time there's a lot of unemployed or really low-paid journalists but yeah. then there's also media like especially like television where i think of like oh, rachel maddow who makes something like 35 million dollars right. a You'll, year right yeah yeah you always have those discrepancies because um that that's for sure but then the question is are those are celebrity celebrity journalists like true journalists and well, uh, this one time when I was personally in a helicopter in Iraq that <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not <laughs> well I mean who knows what's true anymore but then again I mean this idea of celebrity journalists 
do they actually do any of their own investigation, any of their own writing, any of their own reporting? Like, does Anderson Cooper have, you know, time in his busy day to actually do real journalism instead of personal grooming and maybe <laughs> r- reports know, from the scene? Okay, let me say one thing before I, like, try to answer your question. So, a few, a couple of years ago, um, a report, one of the rankings came out for jobs. And um, my father made me laugh because he's a financial planner. And I think his profession was rated number one that year based on like a whole bunch of factors. And journalism was like the worst one, you know, for well-being and for income. Um, But so, okay, like typically I think journalism and especially Yemen, like when before answering you, like when you take into account what journalism means in most parts of the world is so different than what it means for like Anderson Cooper, because journalism obviously is so tied to, you know, um, political I, well, you, you have so many prisoners of conscience, right, mm-hmm. all over the the world who are locked up for just. I mean, it's 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 such a dangerous profession. Um, but I suspect, without having stepped foot into Time Warner or any of that, I suspect that there are a lot of busybodies doing the research. Yeah, and they're kind of just there to be kind of there. Um, yeah. So another question, uh, you actually kind of got onto another thing, and that is 2016 was labeled one of the most dangerous years on earth to be a journalist. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Or, yeah, it has, spe- was it? Specifically because of a long, um, a long-going civil war in Syria uh, and two really large countries basically deciding to crack down on journalists with Russia and Turkey. So yeah, um, yeah. How, do you, how do you feel about like the, the kind of darkening clouds that are, we've been we've been talking about yeah. about the future of of journalism well let me sum it up for you with a little anecdote <laughs> i met um i went to the united nations at one point to work uh, actually work it was an internship that um i was really happy to do um and a fellow intern was a very well-educated young lady with mixed background, she spoke several languages, and um, she said to me one day over coffee right at the UN, she's like, you know, part of me wants to be this really smart journalist and do lots of life-changing work, and the other part of me just wants to have a really good life and go on cruises and, like, just have a really good time. And I was like, wow, yes, because journalism, if you're going to go into journalism and do the hard work, work it's like the question is is it worth it you might really pay a big price and like you know what i mean you might pay everything i mean you have to be a very specific type of person to go to syria to report yeah so collectively it's it makes a difference but for that one individual there's no easy answer it's it's not you're just not it's not like walking into some palace of luxury like that's not what i that's not what i see like real reporting as well unless you go and you know um interview some sort of emperor in his palace but yeah but yemen the other thing (laughs) no because the other thing is like and i've had friends in the united states and a friend of mine who's dealt with high profile people and he's like that's that's the conundrum is that if you're getting a really good interview with like the president of the united states that means that you didn't do a good job because if he's just if the president is just like happy to answer all your questions, then there's no way that you're achieving 
anything of any substantial. But you know, you see what I'm saying, right? So it's basically PR instead of like actual journalism. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> in a way, but like, I mean. I've had that experience where I've had to ask a question to the Prime Minister of Canada, and I was just which one <laughs> Harper. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, um, it's uh, it's like a big deal when you're a journalist, but then you you wonder how much you can really get at, right? Right. I mean, this sort of raises a question. Then, do you think that journalism, sort of serious, kind of important journalism, I guess, do you think that's valued sort of anymore? I think today there's so much noise and there's just so much, I guess, what we talk about in our course that we're even following, that we're TAing, like, info, glut, information overload, that, and I just, there are so many surreal kind of parallel, like, if you look at North America and, and what the young people are really consumed by and all the shopping and the makeup and consumerism. And, and then you, it's, it's like, it doesn't, something is like mismatched when you compare different parts of the, of the world. And so I don't know. And like, I just, I feel like journalism has different functions in different parts of the world, because if you go to like Beverly Hills, it's like journalism is like celebrity news. And then I don't, I, I think, and like, even with social media, Personally, I think some parts of the world probably make very different use of it. Like, even with the Arab Spring, I feel like a lot of that, you know, happened on social media, Mm -hmm. whereas we don't really use social media that way. True. All right. So one last thing before we unfortunately part for the year. Uh, If somebody wanted to keep abreast of the the work you're doing. Yeah. Uh, where would they go? Do you have like an online presence that someone can can plug into? Speaking of, <laughs> great question. Speaking of social media. So actually, I'm really happy to answer your question in a few seconds because it's probably, sorry, it's probably not what you're expecting. But I'm a huge advocate of <laughs> like the private life. Okay. So because, no, for the time being, I'm not working yet on anything. But as soon as I, as soon as I will be, then I'm hoping to definitely disseminate that. But like I'm, I'm not a I'm not like a social media personality or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for oh, coming to speak to us. We've had really a lot thank of fun you. today. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, so everyone out there, Gradcast is the weekly radio show that you guys get every Tuesday night at six. If you are a graduate student and you want to come on the show yourself, get in touch with us, gradcastradio at gmail.com. And if you want to catch the podcast that airs every week as well on Wednesdays, you can go to gradcastradio.ca. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Happy holidays. Thank you.